Welcome to The Holistic Entrepreneur with Holistic Nurse Practitioner, Success Coach, and Best-Selling Author, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her expert guests share tips, tools, and strategies to achieve success on your holistic entrepreneur journey. Each show features answers to common entrepreneur challenges, along with a healthy dose of support and motivation. Now, please welcome the host of The Holistic Entrepreneur, Bonnie Gressel. Well, welcome, everyone. This is your host, Bonnie Gressel, here at The Holistic Entrepreneur. Now, today I have a guest to share with you. Gerda Muller is here from Australia, and so it's tomorrow, actually, where she is, and I'm going to introduce Gerda in just a moment. But first, I always want to take a moment to thank all of you for spending your precious time here with me on the show. I am so honored that you do that. I know that time is our most precious asset, so I always want to make sure that these shows are value-packed so that you feel your time was well spent, and you won't be disappointed today. You know, I think being a holistic entrepreneur is really more about who you are than what you do. You come from that heart-centered place, and you want to make a difference in the world. Perhaps that's you, and that's why you've decided to join us on the show today. So if this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've tuned in before, welcome back. I hope that you find this will be another great show with insights to help you on your entrepreneur journey. And make sure you check out the show page before you leave. There's always a gift for you there, as well as links to connect with my guest and me. And I know that Gerda brought a very special gift for all of us today. So you want to make sure you check that out. And her link will be on the show page as well, so that you can connect with her after the show if you like. Now, maybe you have a message to share. You know, I'm always looking to have new guests on the show. I'd love to, you know, meet new people. So reach out to me and let me know if you would like to reach people all over the world with your message. Now, the information presented here is educational, inspirational, and motivational in nature, but I always want you to just take what fits for you and simply let go of the rest. This show does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I always want to preface every show with that little reminder for all of us. Now, allow me to introduce our very special guest for today. Gerda Mueller is Australia's leading private practice success business coach and mentor to mental health professionals. As a clinical psychologist and founder of her own group private practice called The Psych Professionals, she's been through all the ups and downs of building and running a profitable, long-term, sustainable helping business. It's Gerda's mission to help more people in better ways, and she does this by empowering other helping professionals to also build their very own ultimate private practice. Gerda is also the founder of the online counseling service called Your Psych Online, which is currently being rebranded to Source Health. And she's also the co-founder of Halo Practice Management. Now, when not working in her passion area, Gerda is mum to three kids and a wife to her husband of 20 years. Join me now in welcoming Gerda Mueller to the show. Well, thank you, Gerda, so much for taking your time. I know that you're a busy person, so thank you so much for taking time to share with us here on The Holistic Entrepreneur. It is my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Oh, I'm excited about our, our conversation today. You know, all of our life experiences kind of create who we become. So tell us a little bit more about your journey and what brings you to the work that you do today. 
Oh, well, it's, it's been quite a long journey, <laughs> but I, I think where I might start is uh, four or five years ago. Uh, before that, of course, I, I'm a clinical psychologist and I have been running uh, my group private practice and um, it was traveling fairly well and, you know, I had some time on my hands. And um, I was thinking to myself, you know, what's, what's my next challenge um, in terms of what I want to do with my life and with my purpose, because the business was doing really well and I had somebody running it for me. So I decided to start a PhD, right? Um, I was a bit of a nerd at university and although I didn't have any plans to do lecturing or anything like that, and, and here in Australia you need a PhD, in order to be a lecturer, I decided, you know, I'm going to do my PhD, but I'm going to do it over six years part-time because I've got three kids. I still have the businesses, you know, it's like not 100% hands-off. Um, and I decided that I wanted to do it on a topic that's really close to heart because three years, uh, not three, six years is a long time doing a PhD part-time and you want to stay motivated, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I thought I need to choose a topic that I'm going to love, that's going to inspire me. And the topic that I chose for my PhD was psychologists as business owners mm -hmm. looking at current challenges, coping and success predictors. And um, so I was very excited about doing that and started on this whole process of you know starting to prepare for this phd and the first stage normally is what they call a literature review so you basically need to scour all the academic journals and articles and research out there and see what is already out there on this topic that you want to research as part of your phd and as part of that process i literally found nothing specifically <laughs> for psychologists as well as other allied health professionals for example occupational therapists speech and language pathologists those type of professions where it teaches us how to run a business uh, you know so university teaches you all your clinical skills how to help people and then you go out and you start a prior practice and now you have to run a business and I was thinking, oh my goodness, this explains, you know, all the years of struggle where I had to learn through trial and error. And, and I just thought to myself, well, six years to finish this PhD, this is just way too long before I can start telling people about what it is that I've learned. And I had to get over a bit of that whole issue of, you know, that I haven't done the PhD as yet. Um, but that I am still confident in my knowledge and skills and experience that I had obtained. So I just decided I'm going to start running workshops, telling other practice owners about all the mistakes that I've made in my private practice, trying to build it up, uh, telling them all the strategies that I've learned in terms of marketing, running team and all of that type of stuff. And that is basically how private practice success was born. Um, and that has now been my day job, so to speak, for the last four years, where I mentor and coach other helping professionals to help them build their private practices into a long-term, sustainable, profitable business that won't burn them out. 
Mm, well, I can tell you from my perspective, it's not just a thing in, in your country. It, in the U.S., it's the same thing. They teach you how to do everything except how to run your business. And so that is such a needed thing for allied health professionals. I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, and, and I went into private practice for a few years. And I can tell you, like you experienced, oh, my gosh, there is nothing to help you. So I am so glad you're doing what you're doing, Gerda. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No. It's. I, I just could not not do it. Right. I just. I just had to, because for, at some level, it's almost like we expect ourselves to be able to do it. You think, well, I've gotten through university. Now, surely I can do this thing called running a business. When in actual fact, <laughs> it's really hard. And then when you start to stuff things up, um, then you start to judge yourself as a failure. And then you think, oh, well, maybe I, I'm not good enough to do this thing called running a business or having a private practice, where in actual fact, you just don't have the skills because it's a skill like anything else, like learning to play the piano. It's a skill to run a business. Mm, and skills can be learned. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, the thing that I think scares a lot of entrepreneurs, especially allied health professionals, because they're not, you know, educated in that area, is the whole marketing piece. Because, you know, I think it's helping professionals a little bit different. You know, I always, I always tell people that I have the Florence Nightingale syndrome because I want to give everything for free like Florence Nightingale did because I'm a nurse by, you know, original education. So it's like you're in that battle between, do I charge for my services? I should really just do this because it's, you know, caring for people. It's a good thing to do. So talk to us a little bit about reframing how marketing is within the helping industry and how you can make it work. Oh, most certainly. Oh, I, I hear that so often from, from um, clinicians and professionals. Um, you know, it's, it's that value thing. I think we go into into this line of work where we help other people because we want to help, right? We want to do stuff for them and getting paid for that. That's a different thing to reconcile for a lot of people going in. And similarly, this whole marketing thing, right? Uh, we go through so many years of study. We finally are at that place where we can start our own business, our own private practice. We know we have to probably do marketing because we need clients. We might even know a little bit of some of the strategies, but actually getting into that mindset where you feel okay to do marketing, I think that's our biggest challenge. And I suspect it's because a lot of, of us look at marketing as equaling selling. Mm. We see marketing is very similar to selling when we talk about and think about it in our own minds, whereas really those are two completely separate um, business functions. And uh, a lot of helping professionals go, but I, I don't want to sell myself or I can't sell myself or it doesn't feel good. It feels icky. You know, I feel like a, uh, what's that saying? A, um, that, that, um, In the U.S., you know, like, we call it a used car salesman. Something like that, yes, or a snake oil salesman, yeah, something yeah. like that. That's the, that's the things people use. Um, and so they feel bad about doing the marketing course. They think it is selling. So what I always try and, and get people to do is to reconnect back into why they decided to become 
you know, a psychologist, a social worker, whatever discipline they are in. And nine out of 10 times that is linked to helping people, right? And in order to do that thing called helping somebody else, we need to tell people how we can help them. So really, if you think about it, marketing is just the process of communicating to other people how you can help them. And I think that's a really important reframe to do in our minds and in our hearts in order to allow ourselves to engage in marketing. Oh, I like that. I love that reframe because, you know, you're absolutely right. We're all about, in the helping professions, we're all about helping. Mm. And really, you got to take yourself out of the equation. You're really serving whoever it is you're talking to or working with, and it's helping them. And so we we want to help them so we should we should want to you know do whatever it is that we do and be paid for our services because then they will be enjoy a better life in whatever way shape or form exactly i always say that you can't help them or serve them if they're not in the room with you right you do <laughs> right. Work. so you need to get them in the room and you do that by letting them know that you are here and this is how I can help this is what I can do to help you and and that communication can be to the general public it can be to uh, referring you know doctors or agencies or other referring organizations but we need to really get comfortable telling telling that to people Absolutely. Now, this is just a curiosity question, Gerda. Do you do or teach people to do anything that is not, you know, in person, one-on-one? Like, uh, like I do a lot of sessions with, with clients on Zoom, over Zoom, because we can see each other, or we can, you know, talk to one another, and, and I can make a recording for them. Do you delve into that at all within your um, structure for private practice? Oh, most certainly, Yes. Yes, I think, you know, we would be crazy not to make use of technology that is available to us. I mean, um, I think Australia is a big country, but, you know, if you look at the U.S. and Canada, those countries are even larger than we are. And there's a lot of people that live um, in rural and remote areas or, you know, just based on their circumstances or disabilities, they're not able to get to in-person sessions right and doing online counseling or telehealth or telepsychology um, which is the terms they're using here in Australia that just allows more people to access the help that they need uh, rather than them just staying isolated oh yeah and I'm so glad that you do that because that is true I mean there's some people that can't they're not like homebound necessarily but they can't get to to you, to, to the professionals for the help. And so being able to access it in, in other ways is a tremendous help to so many people. Oh, most, most definitely. I mean, even if you just think of, you know, people that suffer from conditions like uh, agoraphobia, where they just can't leave the house, I think very often this is a way in to actually start that initial process with them. There's just so many people that could benefit from telehealth. And I think as um, you know, helping professionals, we have a responsibility really to yes, offer in-person sessions. You know, I, I still love doing that, but to still offer something else um, as technology allows us to offer that to the people that we do want to help. Mm, oh, and it's, it's so amazing what you can do these days that you couldn't do, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's, yeah. it's 
That's amazing. So, you know, is there a difference, do you think, in marketing strategies and, and how you market versus, you know, whether you're in a helping industry or some other industry, like, you know, you make widgets or you sell shoes or whatever. Is there a difference? Uh, for us here in Australia, there is a slight difference, and I suspect there might be some differences as well, um, you know, in, in your area, but not a lot. So general marketing strategies still applies, right? But then there will be certain things that we can't do uh, because if you are a registered allied helping professional, um, you know, where you have like a registration body, they generally have a code of ethics and sometimes they would have rules and regulations around what you can and can't do in your advertising. And obviously, you know, advertising is part of this marketing function within your business. The, the biggest thing here in Australia that we can't do, it's really two, two, or, th two or three things. Um, I think the last two is really one thing. So the first thing we can't do is we're not allowed to ask for testimonials or reviews of our clinical service. Um, and the majority of you know business coaches out there that works with non-allied health professionals, that's the first thing they will tell you to do, right? right? <laughs> right. It's social proof. It's like with gold when somebody else actually says, yes, you're good at something rather than just yourself maybe saying, I can help you with that, right? Um, yeah, but we're not allowed to do that at all. We can actually be fined like thousands of dollars if we do. Mm. This the second thing we're not allowed to do is we can't make any guarantees. So we can't say, you know, um, if you if you don't get the results you have, then you'll get your money back. And therefore we, and that's why I say two and three is this almost the same. We can't guarantee achieving certain results, mm -hmm. which might also, you know, general business people will go, well, that doesn't sound right. Um, but we're not allowed to do those things, you know, obviously as a psychologist, I know, and I've got confidence in my skills and I know if the clients implemented, they will get the results. So I would be really confident to guarantee results as long as somebody implements, right? But our regulation bodies don't allow us to say that. Um, and those are the, the biggest differences. Everything else really you can do as well. Um, there's other little things like, let's say, if you offer a discount um, or you have like a special package, as long as you put all the disclaimers and stuff in, you'll be fine. But I think that's good practice for any type of business anyway. But when it comes you know, to stuff like social media and any other traditional marketing, we can really do all of that. You know, I always say to some extent with our industry, things were a bit special because of all our rules and regulations. And I think we are, but we aren't, right? We are in terms of having to stick to those rules, but we aren't in terms of we can still do all the other marketing. And it's just about knowing what the rules are that you need to stick to. And I think a lot of times uh, people in my industry are very scared of doing the wrong thing, which means that they don't even want to do the traditional marketing mm -hmm. uh, when in fact that is allowed. And especially these days with social media and all of that stuff, you know, I, I can't tell you, I'm actually so surprised when I still, you know, find people that's not on social media because they just feel that they're not comfortable doing it. And I think, you know, that is such an amazing opportunity to get your message out there and to share with people what you know, how you can help and just give them, you know, free information and value. Um, and there's still people not making use of it. And I think a lot of that still comes from a place of fear. 
Mm. Well, you know, you have to meet your potential clients where they are, right? Which a lot of times is social media. Yeah, most certainly, you know, especially Facebook. Um, a lot of um, the, the clients that come through my practice will be on there. You know, LinkedIn will again have, you know, potential clients, but I think it's more referrers. Uh, that might want to refer to your practice that you'll find there. If you want to work with adolescents, you know, Snapchat is probably the place to be. And of course, Instagram, uh, there's so many platforms. And, 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 I, and I think sometimes that gets a tad overwhelming as well mm-hmm. for people in terms of knowing, you know, there's so many places. And I always say, just choose the first social media platform, make sure that you're across it, that you're comfortable with it. And I would rather do one thing really well than try and spread myself uh, across, you know, a multitude of platforms. Oh, that's such good advice. I say that to people all the time too. You know, there is some some really golden nuggets that I want to pull out of here from what you were just talking about. One is uh, the, the um, guarantee. Mm. And I think, and yes, it is a, a law or a rule, whatever, but we can't choose for people. I mean, we have no control over what they're going to choose to do or not do based on what we are working with them on or what we recommend or whatever. So I totally get that. But how do you get, how do you get social proof? I mean, how do you do that if you can't ask people for it? I know it's, it's, it's very, it's very tricky. Like even if somebody were to, you know, post on your Facebook page and leave a review, you need to go and delete it. That's how strict they are oh, here. Um, we are actually told to just take that, you know, function off your Facebook page to try and avoid that as, uh, as much as possible. It is hard. So what I instead um, try and do is just give as much value to people as possible, uh, you know, give as much free content out there in terms of sharing strategies on our Facebook page, uh, for example, on our private practice, um, the, the Facebook page of my practice. There's so many vlogs on there where we talk about strategies and, and stuff that people can use. It's not therapeutic information. It's more psychoeducational stuff that people can use because um, one of the other rules that we have here is that you can't do therapy on your social media, you know, but you can do psychoeducation. So we give a lot of education. So I guess my thinking always is that if I can share that stuff that I really know is going to help our client um, community in our local area and even internationally, right? Um, And they see that we know our stuff. I think it adds a lot of credibility to um, an an authority to the association that they have with your brand. And it would be, be my hope that they would go, awesome. If this is the stuff these guys are putting out there for free, I can just imagine how awesome the stuff is going to be that they're going to do with me in session. So maybe I need to say yes to an initial consult. Maybe I need to try out this thing, you know, called counseling or therapy or whatever it is that you do and get people in, in that way. And also, you know, we also put out a lot of um, social media pieces and blogs around, you know, what, for example, what happens at that first session when you come and see a psychologist because we, we constantly try and think around what could be those barriers for people to saying, yes, I'm important enough uh, for me to go and seek help. It's, I'm important enough to actually pay money to get the help that I need. Um, and we try and look at what could be that barrier. And for a lot of people, it is anxiety because they don't know 
what's going to happen, right? Uh, are they going to have to lie down on a couch, couch like they do in the movies? Or, you know, what's the type of stuff that we're going to ask them? What happens? Do we have two heads? Um, so we actually do, uh, uh, I've done a video that actually talks them exactly through what happens when you come in for your first appointment, what are we going to ask you, and et cetera, et cetera. And we have found that things like that, um, where we really open up the doors to what happens in therapy, what happens within the practice and shine a bit of a light in it. Um, that is, uh, you know, because really when you think about it, that's all about reducing the stigma around mental health as well. That makes it easier for people to say, oh, okay, yeah, I, I can go and do that. Um, you know, because I think there's a lot of stigma around who actually sees psychologists, for example. Mm. You know, how bad should things really be to go and see a psychologist? Well, actually, you might want to see us just to make a decision. What promote, what job do you take, right? There's so many different things that we can help you with. And I think the more we can shine a light on what it is that we do, the more we can show, um, you know, how we can help by giving value to them through social media, the more likely people are going to go, yes, these guys know what they're talking about and I'm worth and worthy and deserved of getting this help and support. And I, and I, and I think this can help me. Then they are more likely to say yes for coming in um, or doing even an online session. Mm, okay. Yeah. It, it's kind of tricky, but yeah, there's, there's a way around it. You know, I, everyone makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes in marketing as well as other things. What about helping professionals? Are there, because it is a little bit of a different thing. Are there some mistakes that, that you see a lot of in allied health professionals when they are working with marketing that it's like, Oh no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> the mistakes that they're making. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. Because the thing is, marketing is the one thing they're so uncomfortable with, right? So um, in my time, there's probably three really uh, common mistakes that I see people make in our industry. And, you know, this might apply to actually a lot of other industries as well. Um, the first one is what I like to refer to as 911 marketing. Mm. Now, we don't have 911 here in Australia. We've got triple um, zero. But I, I always used to watch 911 um, as a child. That was such a big hit where I, I when I was growing up back in South Africa. And of course, it was William Shatner, and he had this whole 911 What's Your Emergency um, program. Did you see that? Oh yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yes. Yes, it was one of my favorite programs to watch. And, and that's where this term comes from, right? When I was looking at what people were doing with their marketing, and I was thinking, that's 911 marketing. And that is uh, what I mean with that is when, uh, let's say, a, a practice owner or even a clinician that might be in solo private practice, you know, they come into their practice, they, they open up their diary. Uh, these days, that's probably an online diary. And they look at their appointments over the next week or two, and they, they see all these gaps in their diary. And they start to think, well, that's not good. Um, you know, I'm not going to earn the money that I need to earn with all those gaps. Um, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm not going to be able to pay myself. Um, and then they go into this panic mode. That's where the 911 comes in. It's like, 
they, they get overwhelmed with panic and anxiety and they start to think, oh my goodness, I need to fill those appointments. What am I going to do? Who can I call? Who can I fax? Who can I network with? What letter can I send out? What brochure do I need to do? What social media posting did I need to do? And they, they're on this whole thinking spiral of panic, right? Um, and they start and do all these activities to get clients in. But the problem with the 911 marketing is that it actually doesn't work. <laughs> uh, and other than just making you look desperate, um, it doesn't work because I have come to learn through having run my, my two group private practices now for more than 12 years, is that the marketing we do today does not necessarily lead to clients tomorrow or even next week or even next month. Uh, so marketing can actually take up to three months to have a return on investment. And I also suspect that that's why a lot of people try stuff and then they stop, they give up because they go, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, I've tried that, done that, but it didn't work. I don't get any clients. And I think there's a, we need to be more patient when it comes to the marketing and getting the returns on our marketing investment in terms of the time, money, and effort that we're putting into it, right? Um, it is so important. And that also means really that you can never stop marketing, which can be a bit of a crazy thought for a lot of people <laughs> when you might be a, a, uh, you know, a professional and you're thinking, but that's not really my uh, function, right? I'm a psychologist. I'm not a marketer. But if you are running a private practice, you have a business. So you need to do marketing because the thing is, if you put, if you take your foot off the marketing pedal, so to speak, and you stop marketing, guess what's going to happen in two to three months? There's going to be a lull in referrals and in clients because you stopped marketing two or three months ago. And that's why people in our industry often talk about the ebbs and flows of private practice. And I always say it doesn't really exist. It's more ebbs and flows in your marketing because when you stop marketing because you're busy in a busy period, what's gonna happen in two or three months? Then you're gonna be quiet. And then you're going to go, oh, that's an ebb in the practice. And then you're going to start marketing again. And then three months later, there's going to be flow. Um, but it's because of the marketing that you did when you were quiet again. And, and that causes a lot of anxiety for practice owners, this ebb and flow in private practice, because it's like there's always going to be times they will tell you that I'm not going to make the money that I need to make. And I always challenge that and go, that's a mental block that you have because it's not the industry, it's not the market. That is a direct result of your marketing effort. So instead of doing 911 marketing and only marketing when you have open appointments, you need to engage in marketing that is consistent, that is planned, and that is structured. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see that, the feast or famine, you know. So yes. how do, I mean, what I, and if I was in solo practice, but, but if you're in, whether you have partners or not, when you're busy because you, your schedule is full, the time is an issue to do marketing. Yes. So how do you suggest that to your clients that they get around that? So I, I always say, you know, I talk about, it's a bit of a car analogy where I talk about, you know, putting your foot on the marketing panel, taking mm -hmm. it off. It's like you can never take it off 100%. 
But if you are busy, and, and this happens, like you said, especially for solo practitioners, it's about going, okay, what is the, the basic marketing stuff that I need to do in order to ensure that the brand awareness for my practice, and if it's just, if it's me as a solo practitioner, that that's my name, that it stays out there right? That people stay aware of me. So I would do maybe less activities, but I would know what is the most cost effective and most effective, uh, a time effective strategy that I can utilize. And that's the one thing that I suggest people continue with, right? And I guess that also links into one of the other mistakes I see people make in that um, we don't know where our clients are coming from. Okay. So, you know, we are often just so excited and happy that they're coming through the phones, ringing, the faxes going off, these email inquiries. Uh, But it's so important to ask our clients, how did you hear about me? Because having that information shows you who are your biggest referrers or, you know, if it's a referrer or is it your website, is it your Facebook page? And then that information will tell you what is that one marketing strategy that you need to keep on engaging in. So when you're busy, you could drop all the other stuff that you might do, but this is the one that brings you the most clients. So this is the one that you want to maintain. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love that um, strategy. And I think that that is really helpful for people, especially if they're in private practice by themselves, a solo practice, you know, Gerda, we could talk about this stuff all day because it's so interesting. But I know people are busy and, and you're busy too. And and I know people's brains are full of stuff from the day. So if there was one thing that you really wanted people to come away with from our conversation today, one thing that you really wanted them to remember, maybe it's something we've talked about and maybe it's something we haven't even gotten to yet. But what do you think that one thing would be? Uh, That's actually a really easy answer for me. And that is that it is okay to ask for help. Mm. It is okay to ask for help. I think we can get very isolated trying to run our um, helping business, very isolated because we focus so much on helping our clients Mm -hmm. and then we forget to ask for help ourselves. And I so wish that I asked for help way earlier. and, you know, that, that's really is my, my most important piece of advice to any person. Mm, oh, and that's, that truly is a golden nugget. That's a great advice because it's like, well, no, I'm, my job is to help everybody else. I don't need help. But, yes, it's okay to ask for help. So thank you for reminding everyone that it's okay. That's great advice. Now, I know that people are going to want more of you. They're going to want to know about your book and, and the, the training that you do and how you help people. How can people get more of Gerda Muller? Uh, well, the easiest way is probably via my website, uh, which is just gerdamala.com.au. I also have a Facebook page. I'm on LinkedIn. I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, so any of those places, you know, whatever place is most comfortable for you, uh, you're more than welcome to come and find me on there. Awesome. And I will put the link to your website as well as the wonderful gift, the generous gift that you're offering on the show page so that everyone will be able to just click on the link and poof, magically go there. (laughs) It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for sharing all of that with your listeners. 
You know, I have enjoyed our time together, and I, I know that it's the beginning of the day for you. It's the end of the day for me. Um, but I wish that you have um, a wonderful day. And thank you so much again for taking your time because, you know, time is our most precious commodity. So thank you for taking time to share with all of us here at The Holistic Entrepreneur. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Bonnie. You've been listening to The Holistic Entrepreneur, hosted by Bonnie Gressel. The Holistic Entrepreneur has been brought to you by M&B Global Solutions, your source for individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, along with book editing and publishing services. To learn more, go to m and Solutions.com.